when we can't see it. We may not understand. We may be facing something that we've never faced before. But we know that you're able. We know that you're in control. God, we worship you today. Amen. Amen. I feel his presence here right now. sometimes we sing songs with with words with a lot of meaning but it just becomes a song that we sing and you know we know he's a way maker but we, the song says even when I don't see it you're still working in, in the Old Testament the, the Israelites are delivered from Egypt they saw God work but now they're in the middle of, of uh, they, they got the enemy behind them and they have the the Red Sea before them and they can't go to the left or to the right it says that they were hemmed in and they don't know how they're going to make it. But the word that comes forth is, is stand still and know that I'm God. Not, not, not feel. I, I'm thankful for what I feel. But even when I don't feel it, my feelings do not determine whether God can. My feelings and what I see do not determine what God is able to do. I'm thankful for his presence here this morning. I'm thankful to be here. You can make your way back to your seat. You can stay standing if you're seated, if you want to, to stand. I'm going to move pretty quickly to the word of the Lord this morning. It is such a privilege to be here. I am so grateful. My name is, is Andrew, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I am a friend of your pastor. I love your pastor and his wife, Pastor Darren and Sister Ginger. Love them so much. They've been such a blessing to me in, in my life. He, he's, he's just a few years older than me, but he's always been so kind to me and, and taken an interest in me and given me opportunities and been a blessing to me and spoken into my life. And, and so I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for this church. I give honor to, to Bishop and Sister Gilbert. I love them so very much. I honor them and respect them and what they have stood for and what they have built here in this community, this church. Um, it's, it's a privilege always to get to, there's so many faces I, I see that I know and have seen from different district events. Of course, uh, love Jonathan and Mia Arnett. They're, they're our dear friends. Love them so very much. Thankful for, I'm thankful for godly friends. And, and, uh, I also want to, to say what an incredible job, Brother Jordan, Sister Jessica, how they're doing with the youth. I... I heard, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers. Actually, uh, Pastor Darren, he, he texted me um, last Sunday and said, bro, it's, it's amazing. You're not going to believe this. But what, I, I don't know what that final number is. How many real McCoys? 20-something. 20 22, somewhere, 22 real McCoys. If you don't know, that's people, young people who've raised over $1,000 for Move the Mission. Um, this church has always been so faithful in giving to missions and sowing into the kingdom. And I give honor to you for that. That is just incredible, and, and your youth pastor and youth pastor's wife are doing so, such a, a great job. Move the Mission uh, helps to spread the gospel all around the world, and so when you raise money for Move the Mission, when you give to, to MTM, it impacts not only this church, uh, not only this our district, but it, it impacts all around the world. It purchases vehicles for 
missionaries all around the world and bicycles and helps spread the gospel and gives grants to, to North American missionaries and does so many incredible, wonderful things. And this church has always been a part of that. I, I want to, to actually, before I get into the message, I want to say something. I, uh, I, I don't always do this, and, and when I feel to, um, I want to be very careful, but I feel like God has given me a word of prophecy for this church this morning. Now, now biblically, the, the, the method that is to be used is a word of prophecy is to be given, and then it's to be judged. So, so your pastor, he'll go back and listen to this, and he can judge it, whether it's right or not. The ministers that are here, you can judge whether it's right or not. I believe doing things decently and in order. But as I was praying, preparing for this service today, I feel like God has spoken to me what to preach here today. But I also felt to, to speak this to you, that this church has been in a season of sowing. And this church has been in a season of planting. But you are getting ready to move into a season of harvest. That what you have planted is about to come up. That what you have planted is about to begin to produce a harvest unlike anything you've ever seen before. But I feel like there was an if attached to it. Because in, in Scripture... When God gives promises of blessing, there's always an if. And it's a very simple if. And at first you may feel like, well, that, that doesn't even make sense. But, but what I'm going to preach to you today is going to back this up. But the if is that if you will remember Jesus. If you will remember him in everything. If you will put him first in everything. If you will not get turned to the side and get so overwhelmed and excited about the harvest that you lose sight of the one who gives the harvest. Because there, there is one who sows. There's been sowing going on for years in this church. There's one who waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And so if you will keep your eyes on him, you are getting ready to see a harvest that will blow your mind, that will be unlike anything you have ever seen before. One scripture I'm going to give you to go along with that if you want a little more insight. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 34. I'm not going to read it right now. I would encourage you to go and read it later to give a little bit more insight into that word. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 25 through 27 is the text I'm going to be reading from here today for this message. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 through 27. It says, Now to him that is of power to establish you. This is talking about God. He's able to establish you, to, to ground you, to build you up according to the gospel, to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Now, there are many who will say, well, the mystery, we can't know it, but Colossians 1.27 says what the mystery is. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery that was there from the beginning is made evident and is shown to us in this day and age. It is Christ in us is now made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise other translations say to the only wise God be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen the title of this message here today is Jesus Christ forever. 
Amen. Can you say that with me? Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach to you today simply about Jesus. I felt when I was preparing and, and, and as, as preachers, if, you're, if you've ever taught, preached, even shared the word, we love to, as ministers, we love to share things that are profound. We love to preach things that wow the congregation. But that's not what we're called to do. As a minister, as a child of God, we are called to preach Jesus. And that's what I'm going to preach to you today. I'm going to preach to you, Jesus. I'm not going to come to you with some incredible, amazing new doctrine, new revelation, because the greatest revelation is Jesus Christ. The greatest doctrine is Jesus Christ. Would you put your Bibles, your phones, whatever may be in your hands down, and would you join me in praying right now, asking God to have his way, to speak into this place, that his word would thunder in this place, that his spirit would move among us. Lord, I'm grateful for your presence. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your name. I'm thankful to know who you are. To know that you are the Savior. To know your word. To be able to come into this place with your people. God, I pray that you would have your way here today. Let your perfect will be done in us and through us today. You would confirm your word with signs following. And we will give you all the glory. And all the honor, we worship you. I submit myself to your word. I submit myself to your name. I submit myself to your spirit. Have your way. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus Christ. Forever. Amen. As I was preparing to, to preach in this service... I don't know how maybe God speaks to you. I believe God spe should speak to every or does speak to every one of us, and every one of us should know His voice. The Bible says, "My sheep know my voice." It is God's will for the only time for you to hear the voice of God to not be when you come to church on a Sunday. Amen. The voice of God, while He will speak to you through your pastor, should not only come to you through your pastor. Every one of us, as a child of God, should hear the voice of God, should know his voice. He, should, he wants to speak into your life. There will be things he will reveal to you if we will tune our ear to his voice. And as I was preparing to, to preach here today, I don't ever want to preach just what I think or what I want to say or what, what is on just you know in my heart or in my mind, but I want to preach to you what God wants to speak to you. And and. Most of the time, when I begin to prepare for a, a service, I'll, I'll turn my, my ear to the voice of the Lord. I'll begin to pray, and immediately God will speak a, either a phrase or a verse or a thought or a, or a scripture, whatever it may be, into, into my mind. And, and when your pastor texted me, asked me to come, I started to do that, and I felt like God said, just wait. I'm like, okay. And that, that, that was weird. And then, and, you know, we're getting, you know, moving on in the week, and started to do that and I felt like God said just wait all right Lord and and I know his voice and I know when he speaks but but usually it, it, it's a little different and so I picked up my Bible in in the middle of the week I, I was going to read and I and I just flipped open to to Romans to the last chapter to the end of Romans where we just read in Romans chapter 16 my eyes fell on the end of that verse and where it says Jesus Christ forever Amen. And I felt like God said, that's what I want you to preach. And then I began to pray and say, well, God, that's 
okay? But, but what? And I felt he, he thundered in my spirit, just preach Jesus. Just preach Jesus. And I begin to pray and I begin to write and he begin to lay things on my heart and begin to speak to me because I think, unfortunately, for many of us, Jesus sometimes seems like he's not enough. When the preacher says Jesus is the answer or talks about Jesus, okay, I've heard that before. Tell me something more. But there is nothing more than Jesus. There is nothing else but Jesus. There is no one beside Jesus. There is no one before him or after him. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is my everything, my all in all. There is nothing besides Jesus. I have nothing else to preach but Jesus. Everything else flows from Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, in the early church, it says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's all they taught. That's all they preached was Jesus. And if we ever get around that, if we ever get away from preaching and teaching Jesus, God help us. If we ever get away in our conversations, when is the last time you had a conversation about Jesus? Not, not just in church, not just when you were supposed to have a Bible study, but is that on your lips every day? Is Jesus so near and so dear and so close to you that every moment of every day he's there walking beside you? Every moment of every day he's on your mind that when you open up your mouth to talk at the dinner table, Jesus comes out. When you're on your job and you open up your mouth, Jesus comes out. Where everything in us, through us, around us should be Jesus. The scripture tells us where we just read that we're established through the gospel, Jesus Christ preached. That's how we are established. That's where our foundation is, is in Jesus. And the only wise God, the God that created everything, receives glory through Jesus forever. And so everything that we need is Jesus. And everything that God is and receives glory is through Jesus. And so we better let Jesus be the anchor because it is what brings humanity and God together. That is what brings us together. It's the meeting point between heaven and earth. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The holy God in heaven who is perfect, without flaw, without sin, separated from wicked humanity because of our sin. There must be a mediator to bring that holy God to unholy humanity. We could not cross that chasm because I could not become holy in and of myself. I could not be good enough in and of myself. I was bound in sin. I was chained up. I could not deliver myself. And neither could you. No one in humanity could pay the price to, to cover our sins, to bring us back into that perfect union and fellowship with God for which we were created. There was no way we could do it on our own. Men tried. Men tried to create ways. They tried to build towers to heaven to reach the gods. They wanted to become gods themselves because they were reaching for the divine. There's something innate in every one of us that seeks for something higher, something greater, something more. Because we were created to have that union and that communion with our creator, God Almighty. 
that one true and living God, and yet we could never quite attain, we could never quite reach. And then we read in Scripture where God gives the law for humanity as a way to come into his presence, but they broke it over and over again. They could never measure up. They sacrificed animals because blood covers sins, but they, they, it was never that complete restoration. Again and again it showed that we are not good enough and we cannot do it on our own. And we need a Savior, that we needed God to do something for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. And so God loved his broken creation so much that he became a man. He robed himself in flesh and came to this earth as the mediator. God became a man. Jesus, who is God Almighty, robed in flesh. The creator became the creation. The sinless became sin for us. The giver of life died on a cross. Beyond comprehension, beyond what we're able to grasp in our human intellect, the majesty of God become the, the mundane and the, the nothingness of humanity. And yet this is the story that we find in scripture. And this was always the plan of God. Before Adam and Eve sinned, this was the plan of God. Before there was ever an inhuman mind that need, God already looked ahead. It says from the foundation of the earth, the lamb that was slain. That when, when the foundations of the earth were being laid and formed in creation, God already looked ahead and saw the need for you and me to need a savior. And he already planned and put it in place. And that plan is Jesus. That's the plan of God from beginning. That is the plan of God forever. That is the plan of God in eternity. It is Jesus Christ forever. Amen. There is no one else. There is no other way. There is no other path to God but through Jesus. From the beginning of time, God laid out a plan that through Jesus we would have redemption of sins and a path to the Father. Jesus Christ forever. Amen. That was the plan you may be seated. John 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word, logos, means the spoken word, but it's the thought. It's the creative force. It is that idea. It is who God was. But that idea, that spoken word, in verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 to preach the word, he says, Kiroxon ton logon, or preach the logos, preach the word, preach Jesus. That is what we are called to do, is to preach Jesus, to, pre to show Jesus to the world. Everything in scripture, everything that we call the word of God in the Old Testament points ahead to Jesus. Everything from the very beginning of Genesis 1 and 1 points ahead to the cross and Jesus dying on that cross. And everything after it points back to Jesus. Everything that is in this book points to Jesus. There is no other message in this book but Jesus. There is no other way in this book but Jesus. There is nothing else but Jesus. 
I don't know if you figured it out, but I got nothing else for you today but Jesus. I don't have enticing words of men's wisdom. I don't have anything good in myself. All I have is Jesus, but Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than you'll ever need. Jesus is everything. Amen. We, I, I don't think we comprehend the majesty of Jesus. Right. You may be seated. I, we, we come into the, the house of God and, and we pray and we worship and we get a taste and we get a glimpse. But, but we miss so much. And I don't say this as one who has attained, who has it all figured out. But how does one describe the splendor and the majesty of God Almighty in the form of a man? He's fully God and fully man. The Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead was in Christ Jesus bodily. He was everything that God is somehow wrapped up in, in human flesh. How is that possible? How does that even make sense? And yet that is what God did for you and me. And somehow the name of Jesus has become common and, and who he is is just something that we throw in or, or, or his name has become a curse word to some or just thrown around. Even, even in the church sometimes I hear people use his name so flippantly. And it concerns me and it worries me that has he become so just, we're, we're so used to it that he's become common to us. Have we lost the understanding of his majesty and his glory? That he is the king of the universe. That he is the king of glory. That he is God almighty. That he is greater than anything we can understand. He's greater than the president. He's greater than an ambassador. He's greater than any, any, any politician. He's greater than any human. He's greater than any athlete. He's greater. He's so far beyond what we can comprehend. He, he's everything in the word of God. He is the gospel. He is the word that, that became flesh. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. The Bible tells us he is the way. He's the only way. Not all paths lead to God. Not all ways are the same. There is one way, my friend, and his name is Jesus. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's all found in the name of Jesus. It is all in him. It doesn't matter how, how cute somebody may be able to tell it or the phrases they may be able to turn or how much they can wow you with their wisdom or their little 20-second short on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and how great they can make their version sound. There is no other way but him. He is the way. He's the truth. I know we live in an age where everybody gets their truth. Speak your truth. You don't have a truth. Unless you have him, because he is the truth. The, the only. He is the truth, and what he says is fact. And there is nothing you or anybody else can do about it. You can act like it's not there. You can act like it ain't, it, he didn't say it. But if he said it, it will come to pass. There is no changing it. There is no diminishing it. It doesn't matter if every person in the world comes against it. His word is truth, and it will come to pass. You may be seated. He is the life, the life. 
If you have him, you have life. And if you don't have him, you don't have a life. Don't matter how much of what this world has to offer you somehow get a hold of how much money, how, how famous. If you don't have him, you do not have life. But if you have him, it doesn't matter how small you are in this world's eyes and how little you may have in the ways of worldly possessions and the things of this world. If you have him, you have life. You have life if you have him. Don't worry what everybody else thinks. Don't worry about what else is going on around you. If you have him, you have everything. It's his spirit that lives within us. It's his spirit that is poured out that we call the Holy Ghost. His name is above every name. His name is a strong tower that in time of need we can run into and hide ourselves. His name, at the mention of his name, healing takes place. Demons are cast out. At the mention of his name. His name has all power. His name is so far beyond. It's not just a word. It's not just a phrase that we throw out. When, when we say in Jesus' name, I believe we should do everything in Jesus' name. It's not just what we say at the end of a, of a prayer. That's not what it says when it says when you pray in my name, whatever you ask in my name. It doesn't just say adding his name on to the end of the prayer and magically things happen. But it's when, it's when we are submitted and do it in the authority of his name. It's when you align yourself with him. And that you are submitted to him. And when I, am, I hide myself in him. That my prayers are not my prayers. It's I allow his spirit praying through me. I seek and say, God, what is your will? God, what would you want me to pray? God, what do you want me to say? And then when I pray that, that's praying in his name. That's when things will begin to happen. It's not when I have my list and I say, God, I want this, this, this. By the way, in Jesus' name, it's when I begin to speak in tongues, when I begin to pray the will of the spirit, when I begin to allow him to move through me. There is nothing that can stop that kind of prayer. Why? Not because of it's me, but because it's him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. Not everything is about you. And in fact, in fact, he loves you. He makes things about you. But we better not make it about us. We have somehow conflated... He loves me, and therefore, it's all about me. No, in our life, in the church, it's all about him. It's all about him. And there is nothing else. You may be seated. He, he called himself the great I am. When, when we preach Jesus, we are preaching the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because Jesus means Jehovah has become my Savior. The Jehovah God of the Old Testament that revealed himself as Jehovah, as the great I am, has become our Savior. That's what Jesus means. So when you speak the name of Jesus, you are proclaiming that God Almighty is my Savior. It's not just a word to just flippantly throw around. It's all in him. It's all about him. It's all, it's all, it, everything. Everything that we are to be, everything that we are to do, everything as the church can be found in him. There, there's nothing else. This is, this is the message I have for you today. I'm not, it's not going to take a turn or go, this is the message, is Jesus. That, that is my assignment today, is to preach Jesus. There's no limitations on him. There's nothing that you can think of 
that he cannot do. There is no disease that he, I, I don't care what disease it is that you may have. There is no disease, no sickness that he cannot heal because when he took those stripes on his back, he already paid the price for your healing. I don't care what it may be. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if, it, if it's diabetes. I don't care if it's high blood pressure. Whatever it may be. I don't care if it's depression or sickness in your mind or in your spirit. There is no disease and no sickness that the power of God cannot heal, cannot deliver you from. Listen to me. Somebody that came in here this morning bound with addiction. I don't care what the addiction is. I don't care what the scientific community tells us that you can't ever be delivered from. That once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Yeah, that, that, that may be true without Jesus. But with Jesus, God can deliver you. He can set you free. In him, you be a new creature, a new creation. All things are become new. I don't care whether it's an addiction to drugs, to painkillers, to pornography, to anger, to fear. Let's talk about some things that are right where we're at. Well, I don't deal with all that other stuff. Well, some of us deal in the church. God can deliver you. God can set you free. There is no limitation on him. There's no sin he can't forgive. There's no sin he can't. I don't care if you're a murderer. I don't think of the worst sin possible and God can forgive it. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all sin. I know there's some sins that we struggle to forgive and that we think are too bad, but that's not the case for God. That ain't the case for him. You may sit here feeling condemned and beaten down and, and like you have no hope and nowhere to go. But that's not coming from Jesus. That's coming from the devil. See, he will convict you, but he will not condemn you. He did not come into this world to condemn the world. He came to draw you to him. I want to speak to somebody here today that, that's struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression. That's not of God, and God can deliver you. I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying it as just something we say because we're supposed to. I am telling you, under the authority of the Holy Ghost, God can deliver you. You can walk out of this place today set free. Through the power of Jesus. You, you may be seated. There, there is nothing. I, I want you to understand there is no limitation. There is, death cannot stop Jesus. He can bring you back from the dead, or if he doesn't, he can still do things that he promised to you after you're dead. Elisha, the, the prophet, he had asked for a certain thing to happen, a certain number of miracles, and a, he wanted a double portion of what Elijah had. Elisha died, and it looked like he had come short. But some, because he had not quite, he was one miracle short, a major miracle of the double portion of Elijah. But there were some men walking along carrying some dead men's bones. And they saw an enemy come, and they were in a hurry, and they just threw the dead guy and happened to fall on the bones of the prophet Elisha. 
And even death couldn't stop the promises of God from coming true. That, that dead guy, when he fell on the bones of Elisha, he jumps up, comes back to life. Because even death is not a limitation on God. I, I've been in a Sunday service where in our church, it's right about here, a guy during worship knelt down. We had some stairs, knelt down and like kind of laid over on the stairs and died. That kind of puts a pause on, on your service. We gathered around, prayed for him. They didn't even stop worshiping. Nobody even made a big deal of it. They checked, didn't have a pulse. We prayed. God raised him up. He walked out to go get in the ambulance. They checked him out. He was fine. There, there, ain't, there isn't anything, nothing. There is nothing you can, you can say or throw God's way that he cannot handle. Here, here's, here's the thing, though. Not only is he God, not only is he great, but he's been good to me. He has been good. I don't deserve it. He, has, he doesn't have to do it for me, but he has been good to me. Not just giving me salvation, which in and of itself is more than I could ever deserve, but he has been so good to me. Everything good in my life comes from him. Sometimes we sit in church and we look at people around us and we think they had it all together all along. You look, at, you look at somebody up here preaching, oh, well, they have it all figured out. They got it all together. You may be seated. That's not the case. You don't know where God brought me from. You don't know what God brought me through. And I'm kind of thankful. I, I'm, I, maybe I'm the only one that's, that's thankful that everybody doesn't know all the stuff that God brought me from. But can I get a testimony of somebody that God brought you out of addiction and God brought you out of disease and God brought you out of sin? And when God found you, you were nothing, but he brought you in and made something of you. When he found you, you had nothing that was of value. But now where you stand right now, you're not the same you were when he found you. He picked you up and he turned you around and he placed your feet on solid ground. You may be seated. God has been so good because he loves us, because he cares about us. And the same Jesus that changed us is the same Jesus that this world needs. That's the message they need to hear. That's it. That's, that's all they need. They need him. They need Jesus. That's what they are looking for is a church that will show them Jesus. Amen. That old song that, that we used to sing, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Amen. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. That's still true. He, he's, look, you, you know in, in Sunday school when they would ask a question or, uh, and you don't know the answer, and so you just say Jesus because he's always the answer? And while it's kind of comical, can I tell you that actually works even better in adult life, in real life, when you don't have the answer. Jesus is the answer. When you don't know what to do. When you don't know where to go, when everything's falling apart, when you can't figure it out, Jesus is the answer. Every time. 
every single time. In my life, when I didn't know which way to go, I go to Jesus, and he gives me direction. When I, when I couldn't figure something out or I was broken, I went to Jesus. When I was bound up and I couldn't get free, I went to Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. There is no other answer. We, we mess up because we keep looking for another answer. Uh, we, we try to find this, and we try to find that, and what's the cure for this? And Jesus and, and people are like, well, that, yeah, that's trite, and that's, you know, no, I need more. You don't need more. You need Jesus. We may need a better revelation of how great he truly is, and we may need a better understanding of how powerful he is, but you don't need anything else. You need Jesus. That is what you need. And the church, we better be careful. You may be seated. The church, we got to be careful not to let anything else become our focus. Our preaching has to be Jesus. Everything we do, our worship has to be Jesus. People's lives being changed and transformed does not come through, through cute little phrases and one-liners that, that I would get up here and say. In the day of social media, there's that temptation, right? Because i got to say something new to, to go viral and people will be like, wow, how great is he? If they start talking about how great I am, then there is the wrong focus because it should never be about how great I am. It should always be about how great he is. And whether it's in preaching or worship or witnessing or serving or leading or anything else, my purpose and my goal is never me. It's never that people would look at me. And say, wow, how much wisdom does he have? Man, is he a good preacher. Wow, they can sing. It should always be about him. My prayer before I preach is almost always, God, let them see you, not me. Let them hear you, not me. Let them walk out glorifying you, not me. I don't care if you come up to me and say what a great message, but I care if you go to him and say how great thou art. Every time we come into church, we have the opportunity to entertain the presence of God. Every time we preach a message or witness, we get to point people to Jesus. And that is the greatest calling and the greatest thing that any of us could ever do. It's to him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, you may be seated. I came to you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. That's all. That's all I, I'm going to tell you. It's all about Jesus. I'm going to preach to you Jesus because that's where deliverance comes from. Yeah. It's through Jesus. It's not through great events. I'm not against events. But that's not where deliverance comes from. It doesn't come through all our ministries and programs and organization. You want to know who the most disorganized organization seemingly was? It was Jesus. As far as how we would structure a revival. He didn't, he didn't plan for his big revival where 5,000 men plus women and children come and make sure they have enough food and make sure there's nice seating. And, and that he didn't structure it, but they came for Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, they came. I'm not going to let them leave empty. They didn't have to figure out and structure how we're going to give people everything and give them food. Jesus says, is there, is there anything? Took bread, took fish, multiplied it, gave it out. And then he went and preached the very next message where more people came and preached something so difficult where they all got mad and left. So if your pastor preaches something that offends you a little bit, it's okay. He's preaching like Jesus. Amen. A good pastor is going to offend you sometimes. 
And if he's stepping on your toes, we'll move your toes. Don't get mad at him. If you have a good pastor, which you do, he's going to correct sometimes. He said, well, well, pastor, if you just preached it a little less, if you preached it a little softer, if you were a little nicer, if you didn't preach the word so hard, maybe I could invite my friends or maybe more people would come. Don't ever try to pressure your pastor to stop preaching the word of God, to stop preaching Jesus. Because once, you, you may be seated, I want you to listen, once we do that, once we start kind of changing things to fit the crowd or to fit the world, and we remove Jesus from it, as so many Christians have done. You lose the power, you lose the anointing, you lose the deliverance, you lose everything that makes the church what it is, and you, doesn't matter what the name is on the billboard, you're no longer a church. Jesus is what makes us a church. It's not the name on, on the sign. You know, Jesus didn't structure how he was going to heal the woman with the issue of blood. She just touched Jesus. Just get Jesus there. Let, it, let Jesus touch people and them touch him. The demon possessed delivered. It just took the word of Jesus. It wasn't some big structure thing. It all comes back to Jesus. We can't improve on him. We can't make it better. We can't somehow improve on who Jesus is. Jesus is everything and anything without him is nothing. And it, it, can I bring it to a more personal level? In our own lives, Jesus is everything. It ain't just for the church as a whole. Jesus in our lives should be everything. I'm nothing without, without him. But in my life, when I, every day I should get up and say, God, what is your will? Lord, what is your will? Lead me, Lord. What is your will? I'll do your will. Whatever you want me to do. That's the purpose for my life is to do his will and to bring him glory. To, I exist to glorify him. Amen. To do what he would have me to, to do. I wonder how many issues in our lives come Simply because we don't pass things through the Jesus filter. Does it come from him? Does it please him? Does it glorify him? If it's not from him, if it doesn't please him, and it doesn't glorify him, why do we have it in our lives? I, 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 know, I, I know I've brought it down and I, because I want... The, the thing is, too often we, get, we do the hype thing, and we don't let Jesus become that, that personal thing in our lives. Amen. And until we let him get close to us and let him begin to, the Bible uses the term like pruning, like a tree. Yeah. Yeah. He, he takes a little bit off here and a little bit off there to make us better and to grow better and to produce fruit. Amen. Jesus needs to be every part of our life. There is no part of my life separate from him. That's right. When I'm sitting at home and have a remote in my hand or my phone or or whatever it may be, I should have Jesus sitting right there next to me. And when something that doesn't glorify him, something that does not please him, something that is not from him, comes on a screen, should not stay there. If I have Jesus with me, if there's something I do for fun, if there's a way I talk, if there's a way I act, if there's conversations I have, if there's jokes I tell, everything through that filter. What would happen to the people of God and to the world around us if we all would do that? How different would our job be if somebody walked in there on Monday morning? Well, thankfully, most of, probably most of us not tomorrow morning. Tuesday morning. Tomorrow's a holiday, praise the Lord. But on Tuesday morning, 
walking in the power of the Spirit because Jesus is there with us and we are everything and we're covered in him and we've prayed that morning and we said, God, lead me to somebody who's hungry. Lord, help me to speak your word. Lord, I want to submit myself to you. Nothing but what pleases you. What would happen in our families? What would happen in our own lives? What would God lead you to do and be able to use you to do that he has spoken to you, that he wants you to do for his kingdom, but he has never been able to use you because you've not let go of some things? But can I tell you that if you will let go of other things and get a hold of Jesus, all of a sudden everything else begins to take care of itself. That's why Jesus was able to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added. Everything else gets taken care of. We complicate life because we try to take care of everything else and then bring Jesus in. We try to take care of everything else, and then on Sunday come dragging in. I'm like, God, I'm struggling so much. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. And he's saying, stop trying to do everything else. That's not what I created you for. Seek me first. And he takes care of everything else. He'll lead you on your job. He'll lead you in your finances. He'll lead you in your relationships and in your family. He'll, he promised to take care of it. Jesus should be our everything. And when that verse says, Jesus Christ forever, amen, it's speaking of eternity. Jesus Christ forever, there's no end to it. There's no limitations in time. And so when we look at Jesus, it's not only for this life, but it's for that next life. Because what we are and what he is to us in this life is what will extend into that next life. Because having him in this life is what will is what will carry us through into eternity. In eternity, I'm not looking forward to anything else but Him. I know the Bible talks about streets of gold, and I know it talks about wiping every tear from your eye, and I know it talks about there will be no more sickness or death, and all that sounds wonderful. What I'm looking forward to, what brings me joy, But when I pray and think about it, it makes me homesick for a place that I've never been. But I kind of know what it's going to be like because I know the one that's going to be there. And so my love for him in this life is what propels me to want that next life. My fellowship with him here where I hide myself in his presence and I linger in his presence in this life is what brings me joy and excitement and hope for the next life. Why would I want to go spend eternity with someone That I don't want to spend time with right here and right now. Where I'm in too much of a hurry and too busy to pay attention or to give him a second thought. But in this life he's my everything and so I know in eternity he will be my everything. I've heard some say heaven sounds so boring. All we're going to do is just be in his presence. And there's a whole long Bible study about what heaven's actually going to be like. And how all the misconceptions and, and, and Pastor Darren or... Brother Jonathan, they, can, they are well equipped to delve into all of that with you. But those who say heaven sounds so boring, we're going to be in his presence throughout eternity, don't truly know him. Amen. All I'm going to do is just worship at his feet. What better thing to do in eternity? That's my favorite place to be when I'm in his presence. I don't want anything else. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else because his presence is everything to me. Because he's everything to me. Musicians, if you want to go ahead and come.
Jesus Christ forever. Amen. This Jesus that we talked about here today, he's the one who died for everyone. So if you want to stand. He, on the cross, he said the phrase, it is finished. Because when Jesus completed his work, it was done. The work for salvation was done. The answer to everything that we need was done. Everything that you came in here today needing, seeking, searching, hoping for. I don't know your story. I don't know you. I don't know your background. I don't know if this is your first time or you were born and raised in this church. And it doesn't really matter because to every single one of you, the answer is still the same. That answer is Jesus. To every single one of us. The search for the Savior was done. The, 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 it was finished to your enslavement to sin. To, he won victory over death, hell, and the grave. It was finished. You don't need to search for another. You don't need to look anywhere else. All you need to do is to go to Jesus. There's a story that I grew up hearing. My dad told it frequently. My dad had backslid. He grew up in a preacher's home, backslid, joined the Marine Corps, got involved in all kinds of messed up stuff. But God had mercy on him, saved him, brought him back. He was stationed in Iwakuni, Japan. Um, if you have the picture, I know I sent it to you late, but if you have it and you want to put it up, um, feel free to. Um, but he was stationed there in Iwakuni, Japan, and he began to, to witness to people. And his pastor, before he went, he wasn't a licensed minister. He was just, at this point, just somebody who loved God and was trying to serve God in the Marine Corps. In a, in a time where, where it, was, it was during the Vietnam War, it was, it was a time where there was a lot of, of terrible things going on in the military. There was drugs and alcoholism surrounded by all of this. He's just trying to be a light and a witness. He witnesses to this guy named Gil Salinas. And, and every time he'd witness to, to Gil, he would talk to him about the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost because Acts 2.38, when they asked on the day of Pentecost, what do we have to do? We hear the message. We recognize Jesus is what we need. They were convicted. They were pricked in their hearts. They say, what do we need to do? And the answer that Peter gave, which should be the answer that every church and every Christian give, was repent. And repentance is this beautiful thing where we get to leave behind all the junk and the mess that our life is in right now. So I'm tired of this. And it means to turn. And it means you look and you find the answer, Jesus. And you begin to walk towards him. That's what repentance is. Saying, God, I don't want any of that anymore. I'm going to leave it all behind. I'm, I'm setting all that aside. And I'm going to follow you. Whatever that means. You don't have to have all the answers. It's just saying, God, you're my direction now. I know you're my answer. So you're to repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. So you're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And your sins will be washed away. He says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of Jesus <clears throat> living inside of you. The evidence of that is you will speak in other tongues. We find that in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. We find that there's an evidence that comes along with that. He says that it's a gift. It's for every one of you. So my dad would witness to Gil. Gil was of another denomination. He would call himself a Christian, but he didn't believe this Acts 2.38 salvation message. He would get mad. He'd stomp out. He'd come back and want to talk to some more because there was something that was, he was hungry. 
But he was working through his past. He was working through things he'd been told. He'd, he was working through some things he'd believed his whole life. And so my dad would witness to him again. He'd talk to him about baptism. He'd talk to him about the Holy Ghost. He'd talk to him about Jesus' name. And Gil would get mad and he'd stomp out. Finally, one day, my dad had witnessed to Gil. And Gil had gotten mad and stomped out. He was there at the chapel. My dad just, he was just feeling so burdened. He was trying to be a witness. He was trying to be a light. He was doing his best. And he's just praying. And he said a little while later, Gil came walking back in. And he said, man, man, I got to be baptized. And then he, and my dad said, okay, no, no, I have to be baptized right now in Jesus' name. I have to be baptized. And so my dad said, well, well, well let's go. And he took him out to this very famous bridge, Kintai Bashi, it's Kintai Bridge in a place called Iwakuni, Japan. There's a marine base in Iwakuni. And he took him out and they walked out into the river. And my dad was trying to remember everything that he'd ever heard. The I feel the presence of God right now. Huh. Mm. He was trying to remember all the things he'd ever seen a preacher do before he baptized. He, he, he knew they, they usually said a few words and quote a few scriptures, so he, he did that. And then they usually prayed, and so he did that. And then he took Gil and had him put his hand over his nose and hand on his wrist so you don't get water up your nose and so you have something to hold on to to lay him down and bring him back up. And, and all the steps, and my dad baptizes Gil. And as he puts him down, he remembers. I didn't say in Jesus' name. The one thing we're supposed to do, right? And he gets Gil up. And my dad has been witnessing to this guy for, for a long time about the power in the name of Jesus and what's going to happen when you're baptized and, and all these things. And, and Gil comes up out of the water and he's trying to pray and he's seeking the Holy Ghost. And, and, and my dad said, you could tell the look on his face like he was confused because there was no power there. There was nothing there. And my dad said, I, I tried to say, Gil, stop. And Gil's still trying. He said, Gil, stop. Gil stopped and said, what? He said, I got to baptize you again. Gil says, what? He said, I forgot to say in Jesus' name. And he said, Gil looked at him and said, would you hurry up? And my dad said, that time I didn't, I didn't do all the other stuff. I didn't try to make it all pretty and try to cover it and, and make it all, all formal like everybody else and, and pray the perfect prayer and say the perfect words. He said, I grabbed him and I said, in Jesus' name, and put him down. He said, that time I didn't pull Gil up out of the water. Gil exploded up out of the water, speaking in tongues, just lost in the Holy Ghost. Because you can get everything else right. You can have all the structure, and you can pray prayers that seem so good, and you can quote scriptures, and you can go through all the formalities. You can have church services. You can dress all the right ways and say all the right words. But without Jesus, there's nothing. But you don't have to have everything else all figured out. You don't have to have all the niceties and all your life all perfect and structured you have Jesus. My dad said that, that Gil was so just drunk in the Holy Ghost that he was just worshiping and stumbling and speaking in tongues. And, and they're not in a baptistry. They're in a river in Japan with a bunch of people who are not Christian, have no idea what they're doing. 
And he said, I would get Gil calmed down and try to move him up to the bank, and he'd get lost in and go stumbling back out into the water. Just lost and just not. And my dad said, I thought he was going to drown us both. There's a difference. If you've tried everything else, if you've tried religion, and you've even tried Christianity, or you've tried to find meaning in drugs or in a job or in fame or in money or in anything and you still find emptiness in your heart because there's only one that can fill that part of your soul I'm going to invite you today in just a moment if you've never been baptized today can be your day can I, there, there's a young guy just in our church that came just witnessing to and, and talked to him and, and he got baptized and he hasn't gotten the Holy Ghost yet. We're working there. But he said when he got baptized in, in Jesus' name, he said, I did not expect it to feel the way it felt. I didn't think it was going to be like what it was. It was amazing. There's something about that name. There's something about that spirit. Maybe you're here today and you have, but you've kind of walked away. You've gotten distracted and mixed up in other things. Jesus is calling you back. There was a time when the apostle Peter had walked away from Jesus and denied him and, and said, I don't even know him and I don't want anything to do with him. And yet Jesus came to where Peter was and brought him back close and gave meaning and purpose to his life again. I want to invite you to this altar. Whosoever wants to, whoever wants to, I want to open up these altars. If you want to come and whether you've been living for God your whole life or not, if you need the Holy Ghost, there's people down here who will pray with you. If you want to get baptized, you can find somebody. I want to encourage you. Just because you come down here doesn't mean that, that you're saying I'm broken or whatever. If you want Jesus, if you're sick, I don't know what, you, what your culture is here, but I want to invite you to the front today. Begin to call on that name. All across this house, can we begin to call on that name? Can we begin to lift up our voice? Can we begin to lift up our hands? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a sweet presence of the Lord here right now. If you just want to come into this altar because you want to linger in his presence, you want to get close to him, feel free to come right now. If you need a healing in your body, there's one that can heal you. If you need deliverance from something in your life, there's one that can deliver you. If you need him to mend your broken heart, there's one who came to bind up the brokenhearted. If you need him to heal your relationship, your marriage, there is one here who can do it. I've seen him put marriages that were headed for divorce back together again. Come on, church, can we begin to lift up our voice? Come on, if you know Jesus, can we begin to lift up our voice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.